Welcome to the Post Ride Cafe with your hosts, Sam and Aaron. The podcast all about cycling. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Post Ride Cafe. I'm Sam. This is Aaron. And welcome to episode 32. What's up, dude? Not much. Is this 32? 32.1? <laughs> yeah, so we had some audio problems with our recording device, and it turns out our podcast did not get recorded, so here we are on the next day recording it again. Yeah, I'm glad it was the longest one we've probably had to date, and then we could just redo all that again. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. So, well, let's get into it. Let's just move on here. Technological errors happen, and we are learning as we go, so... Not bad, 32 episodes in to have a, a first major problem. True that. Got to learn it sometime. Uh, so yeah, this week we'll be covering a lot of racing recap. We have the Lombardia, and we have Criterium de Dauphiné, and then we're also going to cover, just as the Tour de France approaches, we want to kind of discuss current form of the GC contenders. Yeah, should be a good one. Yeah. So before we get into all that, Aaron, tell us how people can find us on social media. Yeah, they can get to us on Instagram at Post Ride Cafe and uh, on Twitter at Post Ride Cafe as well. Yep. Yeah, to, uh, you know, give us a like, comment, tell us what we're doing good, what you don't like. You know, just interact with us, man. We, we, that's why we're doing this. We wanted to interact with people and talk about cycling because I just can't get enough of it. Yeah, I mean, every now and then throw, throw a picture or a video on there or something interesting hopefully to look at. That's right. So let's get right into our Strava Stats of the Week. Stats, dude. Dude, I was so close. You know, for me, it's always been a challenge uh, with my current life to break 100 miles. And it seems I'm just never going to get there. I think I've done it twice this year, but not this week. 99.8 miles. And I'm assuming you're not going to give me the roundup. No, never. Yeah, rounding up is always appropriate, except when it's a milestone like 100 miles. You got to actually earn that one. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I just, I just don't want to benefit you at all. So if, yeah. if there was a round down to 100, you know, wouldn't do that. Sure, of course. And I ended up getting 1,700 feet of climbing. So not really a bad week for me. You know, it's 110 to 15 degrees for the last couple of weeks. So I'll take it. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, you mentioned your current life holding you back from writing. I was like, being here, <laughs> I was like, it's it's so hot that it's... Uh, holding me back a little bit from where I'd like to be, but 140 sure. miles this week and 4,500 feet of climbing. So not terrible, but I'd prefer around two. Yeah. Well, our ride of the week, I think we have the same one. We went out with West Valley Cycling, and so really just enjoy going out with those guys. And right now it's always tough. Some A lot of places just aren't having rides. So being able to go to a ride, we're just really grateful. And uh, it was fun, except it was hot. It's what you've talked about, you know, it was yeah. scheduled to be 110 or 112 or whatever it was. And yeah, we went riding at 6 a.m., but by the time we rolled into the finish, it was 102 degrees or something at 9.15 a.m. Yeah, I was employing my classic moves of bottles of water over my head. And yeah. luckily, a lot of the places are, are pretty cool. And like either people will buy some ice or I think the bashes we stop at if they provide it or some of the riders provide it, but there's a, a ice chest out there and straight down the jersey, front of the jersey, whatever you can to kind of try to make it work a little bit. Cause yeah, I think I was putting in, you know, quite a few pulls and some efforts and that in combination with the heat just 
does not work. And at a point, I was like, I, I just can't cool down my body. Yeah, I probably should have employed that a little better because I blew up in the end pretty bad. But the one thing I've noticed is I've decided to take off training super hard right now in the summer because it's been so hot that I don't have the opportunity to ride early in the morning because I don't want to get up at 4 before work. So I usually ride after work when I do ride during the week, and it's 100 and... I rode on Friday, and it was like 112, you know, when I went out riding. And That's so nuts. I just don't want to push it too hard because you can just... It's dangerous, and I just want to get some time on my bike. So I've been doing, like, Zone 2 stuff, and, you know, it's, it's good, but when I got to this ride, they don't ride at Zone 2. You know, they ride at their space, and, oh, man, I felt it. This is... The few times I've been with this group, I've been able to mostly hang on. And near the end of the, the last, before we get to the last stop, there's a little bit of a climb going up. And I'll get blown out on that. You know, I'm not quite ready. But everywhere else, I'm usually pretty much in the group. Yeah. And sometimes I've even done some pulls. And yeah. so uh, this time I was off the back like five or six times. It was just tough to, that day for me. I was like, there was just some jerk up front just trying to make it hard on everybody for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, you decided not to do the A group because it is so tough and so hot that, you know, you already knew you weren't probably going to be able to handle that without overly yeah. extenuating yourself. And so you're like, I'll do the B group, do some pulls, kind of get a little bit of training that way. And, uh, well, you, you pulled a little tough on a, on a few spots. Yeah, there's a pretty cool, I was making a, a video for it, which... I'll throw up on Instagram here, I think tomorrow. Um, but there's, I'm going off and the couple people kind of uh, attack. I, I had gone off the front and then some people catch up to me. And then two people um, kind of attack off that. It's it's kind of a turnaround point. So everybody knows it's that's the end and then you can kind of recover. Yeah, a little sprint A little bit downhill. And then they go and then you just see this other dude. I'm like... I passed them casually, like just gradual kind of thing. And, and then they do about the same. And then just this guy just slingshots past all of us at like a whole different level of speed. Yeah. I was curious to see what speed that was, but it's, it's pretty cool to watch. You're just like, so it's gone. I'm kind of curious to see it myself, but you know, it says dang triathletes, man. They're tough, man. They're tough. Yeah. But no, overall, a good ride. I will have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, my good friend Aaron here stayed after the last rest stop and nursed me back to the finish, which was about 8 to 10 miles or so. But it was it was rough. I was feeling pretty bad. Yeah, man. I was I was just like, there's, there's no way that... I mean, nobody wants to ride alone like that yeah. when it's so hot and tough to go back. I was like, I can't do that to you. Also, you would have had to stood out in the sun waiting for me to get back. So it really didn't really well behoove you to like. There not, was that not too, that, but, but we'll just we'll just say that I was being extra nice. Uh, yeah, I want to get. I didn't think about that, that obvious, actually, but like, yeah, it was more. You know, I, I never know my way back, so I assumed you knew the turns better than I. But it's I, true. I actually knew most of them. So yeah, there was one turn I didn't <laughs> quite know where to go. Everything else was pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, so. Excited to go back. I just I might be a week or two. I, I don't know if I can do it during the summer. It's it's pretty hot for me in the shape that I'm currently in. Yeah, I saying maybe same or they have a halfway kind of point where a lot of people pulled off this week and might do that. It, the only problem with that is it's just you get up so early and to ride. I don't know what it is, thirty miles or something to get up at four in the morning. 
if you just rode from the house or something like that, you could get in a lot more miles in that time. It's, yeah. Well, the reality is we could go to that stop point where everyone kind of turns the other way and just kind of do some different exploring around on the way back or something. But, but yeah, yeah, it is a little tougher. You're just out at that time, but yeah, we'll see. It's a good ride either way, and it's always good to ride with a group. Oh, yeah. I'm really enjoying it. I should have done this years ago. I'd yeah. be such a different rider today if I was doing that. It's true. But, you know, you got to start where you start, man. That's right. All right, man. Well, let's get into some cycling news uh, real quick before we jump into the races. There's just one little topic I wanted to cover. You know, it's the time of year where there's a lot of transfer news. And so we saw that again. Uh, Jack Haig was leaving Mickleton Scott, and it wasn't sure if he was going to go to Bahrain or Ineos. And he actually chose Bahrain McLaren. Yeah, and I think we'll kind of talk a little bit later just about the state of teams and, and where things are at. Definitely a little bit of a implosion for uh, Mickelson Scott here with their Fundacion kind of scandal. Manuela Fundacion, yeah. Foundation yeah, so Manuela I feel like that team, they were building so much as a GC team and they, they ditched all their sprinters and kind of classics people. And now you have a domestique, a really good one, going away. And there's there's a talk of one of the Yates brothers leaving. It's just, yeah, I mean, not that that didn't work out well for them. And I feel like same thing, like CCC, we're seeing kind of probably gonna. Um, I don't know if they're gonna lose their license or what they're gonna do, but just a lot of changes with teams and a big yeah. shakeup. I think with some of the major teams, even especially with Ineos here. Oh, definitely. Well, I was trying to uh, not be too rude and uh, not listen to what you're saying, but I, when we recorded this yesterday, I was talking about a guy who won Milan-San Remo who was on, uh, ended up going to Mickleton Scott. It looks like he didn't win Milan-San Remo on Mickleton Scott, but it was Matthew Goss. Oh, okay. He was the SN. So we were talking last yesterday about how Mickleton Scott was always traditionally a sprint team and they've yeah. transitioned. So I was couldn't remember the name of that dang sprinter, but... Him and Greipel were great leadouts for Cavendish. Lord knows he needs one. But uh, <laughs> let's get into some racing coverage, man. Let's uh, let's talk about well, let's talk about the Lombardia. The yeah, Lombardia. That was an interesting, uh, unfortunate race. Yeah, I mean there was definitely some good to it. But, you know, we'll cover, but the bad was really bad. The the descending was super dangerous, and not just due to the normal kind of dangerous the, the the classic descent is kind of very twisty and there's lots of shadows and leaves and everything like that and that part didn't seem to come into play but it was more of road conditions that there's holes and just gravel and just really bad conditions and then you know you have a a, a car come out on the course yeah and it's it's just a little crazy. Yeah, it was a, a pretty interesting uh, race. I mean, when we first turned it on, it was right after Evenepoel had crashed, right? And so, if you don't know, Evenepoel was going down one of these descents. It's a notorious descent for being tricky and pretty difficult. And there's a spot where there's a ravine and there's a bridge. And, you know, he crashed into that and went over the side. And, you know, you can read all about that if that's your desire. But um, th the takeaway is, this is a descent that's known to be dangerous. And on previous races, I've seen them put nets up on the sides of downhills mm -hmm. where there's a risk of falling off. So I don't know why 
you know, in these types of instances, they don't do that. Yeah, and it's, it's something that's somewhat preventable. I was trying to, I, I didn't look it up, I should have, when we were talking about it the other day, but there was a, a race where they were riding just the other day alongside the, the grass, and there was obviously a blind corner, and there was a pole out there, Yeah, and they had it all padded. And then you see the brake go, a couple guys kind of swing around that, the peloton kind of come around, plenty of other riders do that. So they know where these spots are. And obviously, if you know, you should be doing something about it. And I don't know if that's just the race organizer or the UCI should be, they're the over overall governing body. So yeah. I feel like they should be maybe checking these kinds of things and, and say, all right, these are safety checks that we should be doing. If there's a ravine here, throw a net on it. If yeah. there's a pole that we know that can't be moved and it's probably going to be bad, and we've done this course many times, pat it. You know, do what yeah, you, do, do what you do can. Do some stuff. Yeah. When you know what's going on, the car thing. Yeah, I mean that's another one. It's there's not enough information about what happened, so it's yeah. hard to give a an indication. Usually, they do a pretty good job of keeping people out of a race. In it's tough for a race because they cover so much mileage is not going to shut down everything the whole day so it's usually a rolling uh blackout on the roads so but there has been instances in the past where that's occurred and so that's something they they should just have more dialed in and when something like this happens it's it's unacceptable i mean well it was so close to the finish as well i i feel like you know you have all the, the cop cars going through and everything it's that's the things that you should be looking out for and i think it was within the last couple kilometers i they say seven kilometers, but it was pretty close to the finish. I, yeah, it was really close. And I know you can't cover everything, but when you're, same thing, when you know this is a course that's used all the time, and when you know that you're in those final, you know, few kilometers in a city, that's the part where you should be able to protect, not the countryside yeah. 50, 100 miles. I get that, but yeah, this is a tight, tight city. Narrow, yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, the, the race you're talking about with the grass and the post, uh, I was looking that up. It was, uh, I'm not going to pronounce it very well, but Dwar's Dwar Het Heglin. Okay. So that was the race won by that Appleson Phoenix guy that wasn't Matthew Van Der Poel. So cool race. But yeah, that, that corner, multiple people missed that corner and had to go around this post into the grass. And, you know, like you said, they did pad that post, but it's still like, those are the types of things you should be keeping an eye out for. But, well, moving on from that, let's just talk about the race itself. And, and before we do that, I wanted to kind of do something new. And uh, let's listen back to last week where we make predictions on Il Lombardia. So here it is. Yeah, I don't know if Podrigar's there. But yeah, I think out of this one, who I'd like to see win is Fuglesang. I was going to that's who I thought was going to win. Uh, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet y'all potential here because I'm going to throw out the Italian. I've already said somebody who knows the descent. I'm going to say that since it's Italy, he yeah. knows the descent. Yeah, that's uh, fair. Yeah, so Fuglesang did win this race. So we were both basically on the right hunch. Uh, he just has really good form. And so, you know, you kind of pulled the classic, we both can't order the same thing at the yeah. restaurant. And so you, you picked Betty all, but I'll still give you the, the benefit of the doubt The here. first was, it was Fuglesang. And, I mean, he's in form and... You got to go with the, you know who looks like the winner. And oh yeah, I would say we've been kind of on the money the last few weeks. Or yeah, we've all been right there. Like we said, it's when you're in a bicycle race and you're betting on it, you can't necessarily bet on the winner, unless it's like you know, Tour de France or whatever. But for these types of races where there's multiple 
fronts, like just getting a guy who's in the top podium is like pretty good. Yeah, I was like, this is gonna, this bodes well for our, our grand tour picks. Of, if we're this on right now, because we were not this on <laughs> last year. Well, to be fair, the first race was the Giro, which is notoriously difficult to pick. So hopefully, hopefully it's a sign of uh, some good things to come. I know, hopefully for me. So I got the spreadsheet going. So I got, I got, I've been getting that updated, so we're, we're going to be ready for the tour. But, nice. Uh, but yeah, so this race, you know, we started the race, and all of a sudden it's just six riders left. There's a little bit of a break. There's, they're probably, you know, they're, they're ahead of the peloton by like 50 seconds or something, and it's, you know, there's 25, 30K to go, and it's, it's still within reason that they could be caught, you know? But then you look at who's in the break, and it's like, nope, there's no way. This is the winning move, hands down. Yeah, with, with the quality that's there, it's like a, it's like it being in Robay or Flanders with like that. It doesn't matter if they're 30 seconds or 20 seconds. You had Fulsang there, you had Bennett, you had Vlasov there, uh, and you had three Trek riders. Yeah. All of them. You had Molima who won last year. Nivoli, I don't know if he won the year before, but he has won in the last couple of years. Yeah. And Chicone as well. All, all of them great riders. Yeah. And Chicone, Polka Dots, and the Giro, and so. You know, these are guys who have had results, and a lot of them big results. Yeah, so and a lot just, of them recent results. <laughs> yeah. So there's no way, you know, Bennett had just won the, the Piedmont uh, a couple days before this. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's just no way they're bringing this back. You know, Vlasov won the Von 2 Challenge, and so these guys are on form, and there's no way they're being caught. And so that was, you know, how we started this race, and right, like I said, Venipol was in this break with them, and so it's like, what? I, we talked about it last week. It's like, would we have been surprised if Venapol won this race? And it sounded like he probably could have at that point. Yeah, not at all. And, I mean, that's why I think Bennett singled him out as like, hey, it's going to be fun. That's my competition right there. Yeah. Well, it turns out he had other competition in Fuglesong, but <laughs> yeah. um, you can't blame the guy. But, yeah, so what happens is, you know, Trek tactically, right, made the right choices. In, in the beginning, they have the numbers. They have to do the work if yeah. they want to keep the break uh, away. And so... Nibali is just on the front, burying himself for Malama and Chicone. All three of them just didn't look good. Yeah, I you know I don't know if he he did too much in expectation of one of the other two doing something, or he just didn't have it either. But like you said, the the three of them, none of them had the legs to win. Yeah, clearly. Yep. And so when they got to the second to last climb, which is like the most common place for this waste to be won on, um, is. They all three of them, well, Nibali was already gone by then. He was leading him to that point. But Ciccone and Malama just couldn't keep it. And so it was really just a race between Fuglesong, Bennett, and Vlasov. And honestly, I was actually thinking Vlasov was going to win. And I was kind of excited. Like, this kid's up and coming. Yeah. You know, he's Russian and like he's looking real good. So, yeah, it's just like exciting. You know, it's been a while since, you know, Vinokurov is one of the last guys. I think he's Kazakhstan anyway. I don't know if, if, if he's Russian, but, you know, it's been a while since we've had someone in Eastern European do well in GC. And so it was exciting to kind of see this up-and-comer coming. So, but in the end, he just didn't have it. Yeah, he looked good for a while, and then you could just see him fading a bit, and then he gets back on the group, and it's just not going to happen at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it ends up being the two of them, and Full Song just kicks away, and, and Bennett at that point doesn't have an answer. Yeah. Oh, it was a sweet attack, man. That was vicious. Like... Not something you typically see from Fuglesong. I, I don't know if I've ever seen him put in an attack that vicious. Yeah, I, you can see him looking back, and he's just 
making the gap and then just goes harder and yeah just the, so many carbs man so many carbs all the carbs dude that guy was just <laughs> loaded with carbs but just like Vlasov was at the Von 2 his cadence was just smooth like he was just not that tired in that moment and so yeah great great win by him and um you know we'll get into our takeaways for this race you know obviously we talked about the descending and the rider safety and just needs to be a more it's really frustrating like they don't they don't take that into consideration as much as they should and i think you know there was talk of different retired pros obviously after they're retired like hey we should unionize or whatever yeah. <laughs> but i think there's something to that and there's enough collective power there they're not going to just go pick up you know a replacements team like in football or something like they can't do it without these guys and like they really need to hold their feet to the fire just enough just to get some concessions and yeah i think they get the shaft quite a bit it's because a lot of them i mean you don't make that much money like other sports and a team can just fold yeah and then you're fighting them for just back payments and and everything and it's then you're out looking for a team and you're on some conti team and yeah it's just a lot of things like that and you know they say it's because there's not the tv money and there just needs to be some restructuring in general, I'm imagining. Yeah, that's actually partially true. I actually was reading about this. A lot of the European countries, it's just on free television. So there probably isn't all that much money, you know? I mean, but like, have we seen the kind of with the NBC Sports Gold and GCN taking over a, a, a good portion over in, in Europe is at least um, people want that. And yeah. if you can provide high quality... It's I think totally, there's a market in the U.S. I think there that's is a market underserved for online streaming access. Well, it's you know it's kind of the I don't know it becomes those chicken and egg things. It's like well if it's not there, like how are you going to get people into it? Mm -hmm. And they're like, well you know people aren't into it. Yeah, it's well so I think hard it's to find. yeah I think it's tough to put on TV right in America. It's not that big, but I think there's a there's an option where people will pay you subscriptions to stream it online, and you don't have to put it on your broadcast, and so. I think I'd like to see that more. And credit to GCN, I still need to buy that subscription. I haven't got it yet. I'll probably get it after the tour because I have NBC Sports Gold. So, and they're not covering it anyway. So I, I'll probably pick it up because they don't. It doesn't have all the races, but I want to put my money where my mouth is and, and support them to hopefully there's enough of an audience that they build up more races next year. So. Yeah, that would be really nice. Anyway, unrelated to the takeaways from this race, <laughs> um, let's get back on topic. But Fuglesong, man. This guy has recently come into doing classics, and he seems to really be taking to it. Yeah, to me it seems, you know, I don't know as much of his history. Uh, I know you had said he had looked good in some of the Grand Tours before, you know, years back. Mm -hmm. but A decade? Yeah, I mean, he seems, at least right now, a punchier style rider, and these all these classics just suit him so well. I, I would think that's where... He doesn't have that much time left, but that's where he wants to, should want to put his focus anyways. Yeah. I mean, he's won two monuments in, I think, two years now. And so that's a lot more than some other guys I've ever won that are classic specialists. So yeah. um, I think that's pretty impressive. I think he has the capacity to win Ansto Gold. And he obviously is so close to Strada Bianchi. He's gotten the podium two times in a row now. So I think he's right there. Um or pretty close to podium anyway, but he's always been in the thick of it is what I'm saying. And so yeah. I think he has a chance to win those, but you know, for him, he's, he's going on to the Giro. And so I want to be cheering him on pretty hard because I don't think he'll ever be able to win the tour, but I think this Giro 
unfortunately, especially in light of Venable, is one less really strong rider. So I think I'm gonna he's gonna be the guy I'm cheering for. But yeah, things are becoming a little more open in the Grand Tours, and we'll cover the Dauphiné right here and, and see yeah. where. Uh, What's open and what's what's starting to close for some people. <laughs> right? Yeah, so Dauphiné, always been a precursor to the Tour, and this year, even more so. There isn't the Tour de Switzerland. There isn't some of these other races that traditionally you could choose to go into the Tour with. Every single rider that's going to be in the Tour, almost every GC rider was here. Yeah. So this was a very unique, just a blistering pace of a, of a Dauphiné. Yeah, it was really cool, and we... We saw in stage one, we're, we're seeing the the teams or the team of dominance here with uh, Team Yomiel Visma just pulling an Ineos, basically, and, and pulling a train just yeah. up, up the mountain. Yeah. And they just look so strong, and they end up leading out uh, Wout for the win on here. Yeah. And it's, yeah, just everyone on the team looks strong. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy, so... Yeah, you know, going into this race, you know, if we take a small recap back to last week, we had the Tour de la Lane, and it was kind of the Ineos versus uh, Jumbo Visma train, sort of like first time they've faced off with their two premier teams, you know, with Bernal and Roglic, you know, all those guys. Yeah. And it didn't look good for them. And so we were kind of going into this race going, hey, let's see how Ineos responds. Yeah. And so far after stage one, it wasn't looking that good. Stage two, pretty much the same thing happened. <laughs> Ineos was dropped. I mean, not to jump too far ahead, but like Froome and G, who had done a lot of work in the Tour de Lane, and like everyone was like, maybe they're just training or whatever. At least they were there pulling. They were nowhere to be seen in this race. But stage two, you know, isolated again. And yeah, Jumbo Visma does the same thing. They lead out, but this time they let out for Roglic, and he, you know, is a, a more traditional climb, and he easily took the win on that one with Pino and Bookman kind of rounding him out in the podium, a second or two behind, and then Bernal ended up like 10th and lost like five or six seconds or something. Yeah, it's kind of what we see throughout this whole Dauphiné is they're just, any of those guys are just fading quicker. You mm-hmm. see the Yumbo has their their train as three, four guys where you would normally see any like that. And then they're down to two. They're always a couple guys or a man down. Yeah, Bernal and then some guy or yeah. whatever. Now, you know, to be fair... Kiewikowski looked very good in this race. For sure. Better Castro Viejo didn't look as noticeable in this race. But, you know, Kiewikowski, very strong. Yeah, it's just, I mean, they had the team they in used general, to have though. five guys like yeah. that. Well, of course, they had Karyanka, <laughs> and, you know, they had a lot of guys. Wout Poles is gone, and Richie Port was doing it, you know, and Landa. So a lot of those guys have just moved on, and I think that's kind of what we talked about earlier with Jack Haig. Like, I don't, Ineos just doesn't seem to be the team they used to be, so... Uh, stage three, though, was pretty cool. A rider that I don't typically like. Yeah, you've, you've mentioned it a couple of times, I feel like. Or maybe just to me. Yeah, probably just <laughs> to you. I don't know. I've mentioned it once or twice on the podcast, but not as much as I dislike Aru or you dislike Matthews. But uh, David, is it David or Davide? David? We'll go with David. Because there's an E on the end, right? I mean, oh, his last name's Formolo. All right, Formolo. <laughs> he used to be on a good team, right? Italian champion on Bora. That's where he got it. That's right. But yeah, crazy attack. He attacked 50K to go up on HC climb and then down the climb and then up the last climb and soloed to victory. And I'll, I'll give him credit. I don't think he's the tour guy that everyone makes him out to be, and, and maybe he will at some point, but right now he doesn't have the consistency, but I was surprised to see him make it all the way to the finish. 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's fairly young still, but I think things like this and then his placing in uh, Strade, I think he was second or third or mm -hmm. something like that. But I think those kinds of things lead lead you where once he's a little bit older, he'll kind of have that stamina in his legs. Like if you can go off on a 50K by yourself, yeah, you have that stamina that maybe you can put out three weeks. I know everybody's always trying to throw somebody as a GC rider. Yeah. And he doesn't have to be, but really cool. Usually you see like an older guy do something like that. Well, I think we've seen that a lot recently. You know, a couple of years ago we had Gilbert do that in the yeah. Tour of Flanders. We had Froome do it in the Giro. Uh, we had Evenepoel do it a couple of weeks ago in the Tour yeah. of Poland. Like, I feel like it's just been a reoccurring thing where like, not every year, but pretty close. It seems like there's some guy doing a crazy attack and winning. Well, they're like, if Van Blauten can do it, you know, right? Every she's, week. She's inspiring I can, everybody. Then I can do it too. But yeah, so he had a cool attack. I'll mad, mad credit to him. He looked pretty worn out by the end. And uh, I will say, you know, the second place was the bunch sprint, so to speak. And, and Roglic, mm -hmm. once again, just easily takes it. Not even a question. He, it just looks like child's play to him. He's, he's on another level. Yeah, he it was just smooth powering away. It wasn't those like all out all over the bike and and that's a little more of his style anyways. But if you don't I have seen him dig and he's not having to do that right now. No. So he looks He's using though. energy, but I don't think he's using that much. No. Unfortunately, I think his team is, but we can talk about that later. Uh, again, Pino and Bookman round out the po uh, the right behind him and Bernal lost lost another like 9 seconds. So he's back you know, 10th or, you know, whatever place. So he, he's kind of looking pretty bad and, you know, surprise, surprise, stage four starts and Bernal's not in it. You know? Yeah, I kind of thought about that. I wonder, I mean, because they said he had a back in injury and maybe that's all that's been kind of holding him back on all these stages where he's just close. doesn't have a little bit extra. I didn't think about it before. It was just kind of odd that the of the back injury just because... We didn't see him crash. We didn't see anything. You can definitely strain it with, without doing that. And yeah. they were just kind of playing it safe and, and pulling him out. Well, they had said it was a, like a previous injury that's mm. kind of reoccurring. Or, and like, who knows? I mean, at the end of the day, it's getting whooped. And Ineos was like, all right, let's just get out of here. Uh, Got to find a, a new Jiffy bag supplier. Yeah, they're out of GIFs. Um, this stage, though, was Saturday. So it was the same stage as the Lombardi. And same thing. It just crashes marked this race and caused the biggest, you know. I mean, super upheaval and Yeah, exactly. And That's the word I wanted. <laughs> it, it made the race, basically. And so, you know, Roglic ended up crashing. Uh, but before that, there was a, on a descent, there was kind of rough roads and some mm -hmm. stuff and a little potholes that weren't taken care of. And so kind of very dangerous descent. And Bookman and Kreiswick both crashed and had to abandon um, Bookman, unsure of what his, his injuries were. I think he had a hematoma, and Chryswick had a completely dislocated shoulder that they couldn't even pop back in until he got to the hospital. So oh, that's rough. That doesn't look, sound very good. I was actually talking to a guy at work today who happened to um, dislocate his shoulder at work, you know, and he said that he has an MRI tomorrow. He's kind of a, you know, kind of a bigger guy, but he fell into a manhole, and, and his arm caught him and, like, took the oh, brunt geez. of the fall. And so... Basically, his arm was stuck up, and they couldn't do anything until they got to the hospital, and the doctor was like, probably tore a rotator cuff, and so he's getting an MRI. So it kind of made me think about Chryswick today, where it's like, 
If they couldn't pop his shoulder back in until the hospital, it's probably a little worse than they're making it out to be. And uh, I heard they went to altitude camp this week, um, and he's not going. So yeah. I, I think he might not be on the tour team. I wouldn't think so. Also, I mean, not not to, you know, make fun of your coworker, but who falls in a manhole? I feel like that's what you see in a cartoon, and they're <laughs> yeah. like, Whoop. It wasn't quite make, like that, it but... It just makes the sound. It was pretty close. like a splash, and, you know... <laughs> He has that, like, Aah! Yeah, exactly. No. Who turned out the lights? Yeah, yeah, nothing quite like that. But, no, it's, um, in the work we do, there, there was a covering, and, you know, you're supposed to be able to walk on it, but it seemed it was pretty old and worn out, and it cracked and, okay. and broke. So That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. But anyway, it just, it just, the whole point was it reminded me of that. But, yeah, it, uh, it is a weird thing. Um, anywho. But, yeah, so we had a couple crashes. Roglic ended up crashing later on after that crash. And got back on his bike, and it didn't seem too much for wear. He did get in the car for a second, I guess, but then got back out and got on his bike. So, um, got a quick jiffy, but yeah, who <laughs> yeah. knows? But no, he he ended up finishing the stage. He he looked good. He was very focused. That's the one thing I'll give Roglic credit for. He's very similar to Nairo, where you can't tell if he's good or bad. You yeah, know, he has that very consistent face, poker face. You know, he doesn't need a hoodie and glasses like. This dude could play some poker. He's and... no uh, a, a roof face showing all the yeah. pain. <laughs> yeah. Pino, but that's a whole other story later. Uh, Formulo that day, you know, he looked pretty, you know, you, get, you just can't hide it. And, yeah. and Roglic, so far so good. As far as all the races I've seen him, you just, you can't really tell. And so... Um, Say, who who did look good was my man Lenny Kamna, as, as he likes to go by. Yeah. Just, I mean, awesome. Another solo. I forgot how, how far he goes. But, I mean, the finish was 10 12%, and there was climb, you know, quite a few climbs before that, and he just powers away, and yeah. really awesome, and, you know, I had mentioned him in our Bora thing, I gotta I got get all the Bora insights, but yeah, I mean, a, a pickup from Sunweb, who, you know, didn't want a winner. So. No, they don't, they, they, they shun on winning at Sunweb. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean he's young too, so that's that's awesome, and I'm I'm imagining he's going to be on their tour selection, so that'll be good. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, uh, at the end of you know when the main the when the main peloton got to the the finish, you know Pino pipped Roglic, right? Not a big deal. I think for Roglic, he let him go. He didn't want to put. He just wanted to finish, and like he didn't gain any time. He just finished ahead of him, and so I think he finished second or third or whatever it was. It wasn't a big deal, and so, but didn't matter. Stage five, Roglic didn't start. Not really a surprise. You know, they're not here to win the Dauphiné. They're here to win the Tour. And so their guy's already crashed. He's going to be stiff. Where his injuries were, were on his side and glute and all this stuff. And so he's not going to sleep very well. You know, yeah. everyone's had those injuries. It's not easy to sleep with skin missing off the side of your body. <laughs> yeah. No, I wouldn't think so. So they made the right call. They've already showed that they're dominant and they don't need to win this race. And they're not, not to be disrespectful to the race, but, you know, their target is two weeks from now. And so they want to make sure they're safe. And so not a surprise, but what it will say is is it blew the race wide open. You know, I looked at the previous um, day's GC minus Roglic, and the top nine riders or ten riders were all, you know, most of them were within 10 to 20 seconds of each other, and some of the guys were at most a minute, minute 10. So we're talking a super tight race with a whole bunch of people that are all relatively the same power level, so to speak. Yeah. Roglic, hand and fist above everybody. He wasn't trying to put a lot of time into people. He was just pipping him at the line. And um, Yeah, I was, when we, I forgot where I started at it, maybe 30, 40K or so, 
but I think at that point it was, I'm saying it was kind of like classic style where you have just completely blown up. There's just small groups all over. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you have a, a group that kind of forms, I think Pino's a little further back. Uh, and then you have like Dumoulin there, uh, Barky, a lot of the French writers were in that. I think Martin was in there. Yeah. Uh, and then you have a group up ahead with uh, Pojicar, you have Kuss, you have uh, Danny Martinez, you have... Um, Lopez. Lopez in there. And I think Sibikov was in there at the time. Yeah, Sibikov. And so it's just, it's everywhere at that point. And, and like you said, it's, it's because... It became wide open. Yeah, all these people now woke up and realized they actually might be able to win this race. Yeah, they're like, we got a shot. They're like, let's take it. Yeah. It was a pretty exciting. It's almost like we talked about, you know, I had made the comment of this is like what everyone wants the tour to be like. Yeah. But it never is because there's always like one or two really main guys and everyone else is like hoping to like just strike a punch and, and get, to the, the, get to the top, but... You know, something like the Giro or something where it's a little more wide open. There's not as much stiff competition. Uh, and that's what these stages reminded you of. There's just attrition all across the stage. Yeah. Of every single person. You know, it's not like one guy just blew everyone out. It's like there's just people all over the road from every team. It was like... And then it turned into mano a mano. There was very little team support. Yeah. But what we did see is some French support. That was pretty cool. Yeah, they were they were all kind of working together, and they looked strong. You know, I'm I'm hoping for some of these uh, other tour contenders. Like we'll talk a little bit later for Nairo. Like Barky was there for a while, and and Martin I think is going to the tour as well mm -hmm. to on his own. But he's one that's pretty cool to to see him. He's he's new to me, so it's yeah. Martin is I think he just came up uh, from. Well, I don't know. where. He, I think he's been on COVID for a little bit, and I saw an article where his team manager was like, this guy has the potential to do well in a Grand Tour, and everyone's like, eh, I don't know who that is. And like, he's showing himself this season. Yeah. But yeah, so the, I think all of them, no one was really in contention in that group except for Pino, right? And so, you know, Alaphilippe was there for a hot minute when he was coming back from the break, and like you said, Bargui and Martin, like they were all kind of working together to try to bring back Danny Martinez and Lopez because they were the ones that were the threat of GC, and at the time, Martinez had virtual GC. Yeah. And so these guys were all working together to help Pino win, you know, as just pride of the Frenchman, you know, and they wanted a French guy to win their race. So I got to give him credit. You know, it's like last year when Pogacar helped Roglic and vice versa. Like, it's just cool. So, um, but yeah, it ended up just being a pretty crazy race, and even with this crash that Civica had earlier on the stage, like, he just looked strong even with, even during all that. So mad props to him. He's definitely an up-and-comer. Yeah, um, he was but, doing work on the front, and kind of, you were like, he went off the why. back, and then he's up and doing poles, and you're just like, man, like, yeah. let it go, man, it's all right. <laughs> yep, so out of those guys, the one, you know, I wanted to touch base on, on the main three, so Lopez, just doing Lopez. I, I just, I'm not convinced he'll ever win a Grand Tour. You know, I know he podiumed the Vuelta, but he's not consistent, and in this race, I will have to give him credit. He did struggle and try hard. And he'd get dropped, and he'd come back, and he'd get dropped, and he'd come back, and he'd get dropped, and then he'd like make a huge attack and pass everybody. And he did really well, and he didn't give up. And I have to give him mad credit for that because other riders would, once they crack once, they just kind of give up. Yeah. So I will give him a fighting uh, spirit and, and props to him. But in the end, he did crack and then just couldn't keep it up, but really gave it some challenge. And, and we'll see if that 
energy spent will help him grow and be better when the tour starts. But just more of the same from him. I just I don't believe in him quite yet. Um, he just like all these other guys, they don't have the time trialing skills, and so they depend on their climbing. And when some of these other guys, they're up and comers or, or new guys like Danny Martinez and Pogachar and Sikovakov, you know, these guys are just dropping. You know, Sepp Kuss was there. Like they're just they're dropping you, and so you just don't have it. They're not traditionally. They're younger than you. And, and yeah, they're you're younger. Not, you're, not, and... you're not old either. You know, you're still in your... He's only like 24, 25 too. So it's like, this should be your prime and you're and you're not able to keep it. Yeah, well, I think the big thing and go back to a lot is some of them are pure climbers. And, and if you can't drop guys on the climb when you're a pure climber, you're going to have problems. Yep. But we'll kind of cover just the end of this here. So it's... Again, Yumbo Visma looking good all week, and I was super glad to see uh, Sepkos go off and just again same thing. I they had a, a file today of showing his his power data throughout the week, and just the whole week he was looked amazing doing so much work. And team leader's not here today, and is like I'm taking it, and he solos away as well. Yeah, like eight uh, or nine k to go on like a pretty steep climb, like six to eight percent well, average. Well, the same one as the day before. Well, the, the ending. Finish. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, just a yeah, just crazy. But yeah, then uh, Pojakar and uh, Danny Martinez go off on their own and kind of back and forth a little bit. But Danny Martinez basically just kind of seals himself with a win and, yep. and doesn't go too hard and as. That's all he really needs at that point. Yeah, so he kept his lead. I was really hoping Pojakar would have squeaked a podium, but he ended up missing it by like 14 seconds or something. But he was pretty spent. He just didn't have the energy. And um, You know, let's, let's move into our takeaways of this race. Real quick, one of the things I read today was actually an article that said they had interviewed a couple of writers, and they were, it was a French article that someone had translated. And it's basically just like it was a bloodbath. It was so hard that this... Criterium de Dauphiné was so tough because it was just five crammed days of tons of climbing. Yeah. I think it ended up being like 60,000 feet of climbing <laughs> in five days. I thought Port said something like that too, that it was just, every day was just like full gas, like a classic or something. Yeah. So I think a lot of these guys are just kind of worn out. And like, I'm kind of curious if they're going to be able to recover in time for the tour, right? I mean, that's something to consider, but, you know... We're really going to see how these teams sort of recover and, and prepare for these last two weeks before the tour. I know Yumbo Visma is going on an altitude camp. Um, they probably need it. You know, they need some R&R yeah. and uh, just probably just sitting and breathing in that air. I don't know what Ineos is up to, but, yeah, again, Ineos, it doesn't look like they did any improving from the week before on that three-stage race. Yeah, I will say one thing that I just thought about of, you know, where we we're going to get into of kind of peaking too early and, and everything like that. But the tour kicks off really early. I think third, fourth stage where we're starting to hit those mm -hmm. mountaintop finishes. And maybe they're like, we need to actually peak a little earlier than we would that second, third week is traditionally where you see those, those bigger finishes and mountaintop. It's true. That's maybe they point. need to be in better form in the beginning. I mean, who knows if you can hold it, but it's like you don't want to lose the tour in the and, first couple yeah. days either. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, stage two is a little lumpy, more of a transition stage with the descent. So it's more of a let's get Alaphilippe into yellow yeah. kind of stage. But stage three, kind of more of that intermediate transition stage. So kind of a breakaway stage with an uphill. And then stage four is like a pretty traditional uphill finish. And so 
You're right. I mean, stage four, uphill finish. Usually it's seven or eight or something like that. Yeah, so you have a week to kind of let the sprinters do their thing. Everyone works out their jitters and kind of settles in for the Tour de France. But it's it's going right out of the gate. And so I think it's going to be very interesting, and that's a good point of do you need to come in a little bit better? Because what if you're a little bit better than everyone else, you can put in a real strong dig on that stage, and then you have a couple days of recovery. Exactly. On the next mountain stage, like you're kind of recovered a little bit, and everyone has to do the work to catch you. And yeah. so your team has to do work pulling, but any, you know, Jumbo Visma is already set up for that. So I think it could be very interesting um, if Roglic is still in that level of form or a little bit better, where he's like super peaked and everyone else is on the way up. Very, I think this is tour, just because of everything else. Like, I just think it's going to be one of the most interesting tours we've had, and we've had some pretty good ones recently. But this one's going to be unique, I think, in compared to other ones. Well, yeah. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about the contenders. Yeah, we wanted to kind of touch base on where everyone was at, who the main contenders are, and what are our what are our thoughts. So, I'll let you start with the Ineos riders. Yeah. So I kind of just picked a few out here because they're going with their own little trident. It's the year of the trident dude movie star it worked obviously super great for them so everyone wants to do it um but we have bernal garen thomas and Froome uh, as kind of semi-designated leaders i feel like it's bernal is probably should be in the leader um current form we have for bernal dropped out of the dauphiné uh garen thomas finished 37th and Froome finished 71st um I know that's not doesn't give the the whole story. I think they were being a little cautious with Bernal. Yeah. The other two though, I'm not sure. I think Thomas is more of the question mark of where he's at. Um, I think Froome is less of a question mark. I don't. He'll be fine as support, but I don't think he has it to do it on his own right now. Yeah. Or go for himself. That is. Yeah. I mean, I'm on the same boat. Um, Bernal's going to be their horse. I think. G and Froome are just there to, if something happens or they're on super form all of a sudden or whatever, um, then they can take over that role. But I think they're all going to stay in the top as long as they all three can. But I definitely think Froome knows at this point that he's not quite where he wants to be. And he's going to give it his all. But if, you know, during the second week, if he realizes he doesn't have it, I think he's going to just quietly shift into that domestique role. He's a team player and... He has no reason not to, to do that. So that's kind of what I expect. But again, I don't know. Like, there's a couple guys on their team, you know, Kiyokoski, Castro Viejo, that are going to be solid in the mountains. Um, their tour lineup isn't official, but um, I think Sivakov's going to be there. So they're going to have some good support. But yeah, G and Froome just haven't been there and they haven't been doing much work. And so it's kind of strange. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, I definitely think it's, it's Bernal and I, I'd. Not sure how serious that back injury is or if it's just a, a little phantom to get him out of, and, and yeah. back to recovery. And so kind of question mark is, the, the big one is, will they be the Ineos sky of old on there? Just will they have that you know, kind of mega train in the mountains that is unstoppable? I to me, so. no. They, yeah. lo- they lost too many people. Some of their guys are just, they're just older who they do have. And there's still great people on there and up-and-comers. I don't know if they're going to switch things around, but I don't know what it is. If it's just they're just not on that same level or if they don't have um, 
the same co like cohesiveness as they did before that it's like yeah. this is the clear leader we're all doing our thing i think that that team is in general is going to go through some transition in the next year or so and just i think it's going to be the same style but i think there's like, people who's going to become leaders and things like that is going to change around a bit. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with any of that. I, I don't know who's going to show up, but I don't think Ineos of old is going to be there. Um, it's always possible. Obviously, the, if you read the the roster, like it's a very strong roster, but they just don't seem to be performing. But we shall see. Yumbo Visma, I'll start this one. So their trident was Roglic, Dumoulin, and Kreiswick. At this point, Kreiswick crashed out of the Dauphiné. It's un certain if he's starting but yeah. like i said before he's not at the altitude camp so it leads me to believe he is not going to be there but i also don't see that they brought anyone else so that one i don't know so but i don't think he's really going to be their leader anyway i think it's roglic and if dumoulin can round himself into shape uh, which is my hunch i think dumoulin will be the strongest of the gc riders in the third week but he may have already lost more time by then and so it won't matter but yeah. Yeah, the real question, you know, they have obviously the strongest team going into this race, you know, Coos, Bennett, Tony Martin, Wood Van Aert, Robert Hessing. These guys have just been laying it down and just making everyone suffer for two weeks now. Yeah, all of them seem to be in in great shape, which no one else at least at this moment is on that level at all. Yeah. So they're the team to beat. You know, I called Roglic winning this at the beginning of the year, and I still stand by that. I mean, watching his performance in the Vuelta, um, you know, he faded in his first GC. Was that the Giro he lost it? Yeah. Um, I think he learned a lot from that, and then he came back and was really strong in the Vuelta, and I think they're ready, um, and they've built their team specifically to win the Tour, and I, I think, I just think they have it. And we'll see. I mean, I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, I was going to say, a major question mark for me is the potential for peaking too early. And even bigger, I feel like, is the team leader. And in that being, will Dumoulin work for Primos on there? I, I, don't th I think he's a team player and he would, but I think just when you get to that point when we're both on level and we're both, you know, same time, same form. Yeah. Will he give up and sacrifice for that when it's... And he's like, hey, we're supposed to both be designated team leaders. And I don't know. There hasn't been in a while where I think two team leaders, two guys on the same team going to the tour are that strong. Like, you would probably have to go back to... Wiggins Froome. Yeah, I was going to say Wiggins Froome, which was an unknown at the moment, but where Froome was like, hey, like, I'm stronger, and he got kind of called back on there. So it's massive team player for Froome. He could have easily won that Tour de France. Yeah, that uh, was the most boring Tour de France I have ever seen in my <laughs> life. <laughs> it was pretty bad. I know people are kind of concerned with Jumbo Visma being the same way because of the display they put on this week. I mean, the article on that thing was like, the writers they were talking to were like, there's no one else. Like, they are so far ahead of everyone else right now. It's insane. I was like, it wasn't boring, though. No, that's <laughs> the, the one that Wiggins won was boring. I think <laughs> that Yomo Visma has the same strength right now as that old Ineos team, old Sky, but they have panache. Yeah. You know, they have emotion. They're not just robots on the front of their bikes, you know, uh, on the front of the bunch. In some sense, you have to be when you're working, but they just, they go off and attack. You know, all their, all their riders are winning races and stuff. So I, it just doesn't feel the same to me, but 
I could be, you know, rose-colored glasses, I guess. But Yeah, and we'll go next guy here, which I think is also not boring, and we'll go on the attack, is uh, Pojakar. Uh, so he finished fourth overall in the Dauphiné. He, I think, is building well. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a little bit unknown before this, and then at the beginning, we're like, ah, I'm not sure. I, th I think he has it. He's young as well. But I, th I think he looks good. And, I mean, he has, hopefully, a Rue uh, supporting him. He has Formolo, which should be pretty good. Uh, David De La Cruz uh, and Yan Polank. Uh, yeah. Should be a decent, decent team. That's my main question, though, is probably, like, youth and and the team itself it's it's just not on the same level as no. Yumbo Visma or Ineos yeah, as, correct. as a team. Well that's always been the problem, right? Is these other contenders are always good but they don't ever have the team. And so what's interesting here is at the beginning of the year it was basically or at the when the restart kind of came about it was like Aru's the leader and Pogachar is just there to get experience. Mm -hmm. And it seems that they've kind of it's not official, I don't think, but it seems like they've switched to Pogacar. I was like, right? I'm making it official. Well, you've made it official, and I don't disagree. I mean, Aru just isn't the same rider he was. Was he, he in was. the Dauphiné? No. I don't know what he's been in. I think he, he might have been in Tour Lane, but... Lane or Poland or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but, but he, he wasn't really showing, and so I think they've switched to Pogacar, and, and we'll see how that goes. They might still claim him as a leader, but even if Aru is the leader, I think Pogacar is going to be the guy that's ahead after the first week. Yeah, so. I hope he just works for him. That's that's the only thing, because I have not seen Aru do much work for anybody. Yeah, that's my thing. Yeah, so as far as Pogachar, I, I my thing is, I, I don't know, I think he has the potential to top five this thing. He'll easily, I think he'll be in the top ten, barring some weird, you know, thing, but I, I expect him to top ten this tour for sure, with a pop, top five, a possible. Yeah. Um, Pino. So... No disrespect to Pino, we put Pogachar ahead. I don't think that was on purpose, just sort of how it was. You know, he he just recently got second overall at the Dauphiné. Probably a disappointment for him since he was technically in the leader's jersey and lost it. Um, but, you know, his crushing exit from the tour last year was just upsetting. I think he was so close to winning that thing. Yeah, I, I think it was it a was real a possibility. He was the best climber. He was so up there with Bernal. Like, I think if they had those extra couple stages and everything, I think he really had a chance to drop Bernal, even for a little bit. Um, but we'll never know. But he seems to have some of that form back, and that's always the best hope. He looked kind of bad in the last stage of the Dauphiné, but as we talked about before, like, that was just a just a blitzkrieg of five one-off mountain classics day after day after day that Yumbo just put everyone through the ringer. Yeah. And a lot of people just looked pretty worn out that day. I will say, though, it looked as... I feel like I see him do that a lot towards the end of stages. He starts to look a little bit better. I don't know if he saves himself or can just kind of turn it on at the end. Uh, so if he can be consistent with it just throughout the earlier stages and earlier in the day, which we have seen him do, I, I think he can do well. Um, he has Stefan Kung here, uh, Rudy Millard, uh, David Godot, and... Sebastian Reichenbach. Yeah. So so he has uh, some good flat support um, and a couple guys in the mountains. Not the, Again, not the same as Ineos or Yumbo, but, they, but they're not a bad team. Yeah. No, I mean, they definitely created a better team for him than they had the first couple of times he was doing the tour. So they've definitely improved their game. But yeah, obviously, 
any team that isn't named Ineos or Yumbabisma is always going to have, their team isn't really strong enough to hold the yellow jersey and defend it properly that these other two teams have built, right? So that's always going to be the case, but definitely better than where he's been. But still, I think, my personal opinion, he's going to finish in fourth. All right. I called this last last time we talked. I'm thinking Ineos and Yumbo Visma will have the podium. Whichever team gets, you know, two spots or whatever, you know, obviously Rojas is going to win, uh, and then Bernal, and then I think Dumoulin will be the third person, um, personally. So I think the best Pino is going to get is, is third or fourth. All right. What do you think, man? About that? No. What do you think? Where do you think Pino's going to end up? Oh, uh, I think he can get podium. All right. I think if he doesn't have a physical issue like like last year, I think he can get podium. I'll give him. I'll give him that. I mean, I'm definitely cheering for him. Oh yeah, he's of, outside of Roglic. Of the list, there's you know everybody on here. I have him very high of who I want to win. Yeah. Right. Um, so the Go next ahead. guy here, got to cover a Bora guy, and I think deserved, um, is Emmanuel Bookman. So he crashed out of the Dauphiné. Super bummer, because he looked really strong prior. He was just behind, you know, just, I would say, second tier um, to Primos on, on all of the stages uh, that he was in. So that was a bummer. So that's going to be definitely the major question mark, and even if he starts, um, but... He was fourth or fifth, I think, in the tour last year with almost no support because they just, it was a very unknown. Yeah. Um, now, this year, he should have uh, Moberger, who looked good as well, Postelberger, uh, Kamna, who looked good in this race, uh, Grosschartner, and another bummer is Shockman was supposed to be there as kind of that middle mountain, you know, super domestic. And we don't know if he's going to start either with, yeah. a, with the sh- dislocated or broken collarbone. Broken collarbone. Yeah, I think those were traditionally two or three or like three to four week like minimums to get back on the bike and everything. And so I have a feeling Shockman's not going to make it, but that's a that's a big loss for Bora. Yeah, so can't really say you know where he's going to be. I I think I prior I I picked him top five. Yeah, but now if he's there. And Shockman's not. I just, I just don't think it's the same team. They might try to reorganize a bit of what they go for because I know Sagan and Oss are going to be there. Maybe they'll push a little more towards that or stage hunting. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, I th- kind of in the same boat. I, I thought for sure he was a lock for top five. But with the crash, we don't know how serious his injuries are, so it's really hard to give um, a pick. But I'll, I'll still give him top five. All right, next we have Mikhail Landa. Free Landa, everyone's favorite hashtag. You know, I'm not buying it. Uh, he got 18th at the Dauphiné, and after watching that documentary with Movistar, <laughs> yeah. I became a less of a fan of Mikhail Landa. He, he seems to be missing the, the mental aspect, the edge. and the Like, he even said it in the documentary. He's like, I'm not an asshole. Maybe I need to be a bigger jerk to win a Tour de France and, like, kind of be, you know, hold his teammates accountable and all that stuff, but... When he has a bad day, he gets down and he lets it affect him the next day. Yeah, so, it gets to him too much. Yeah, I, I just don't... I want Landa to do well. You know, when, when it was full-on, you know, Sky free Landa and then Astana free Landa and he finally is here, I just I think it's too late. And, and he just doesn't have that consistency as, as you have. 
you know, his his supporting role, you know, he has well, Paul, uh, Pelo Bilbao, Dylan Toons, and Madej Mahorek as his, his main group of guys. So not a bad team. No, it's not bad. McLaren's definitely building a team for the Grand Tours, and so this was the, you know, the most, I don't want to say the best, but this were all the pieces that they could get at the time. And obviously they picked up Jack Haig. I think they're going to be picking up another person by the time this is all over. Um, so I think they'll have a better chance next season, but I don't think they have the right riders anyway. I don't think Wout Poles and Mikel Lando are the guys you want to be building your GC contenders around for the Tour de France. No, I, unless Landa changes quite a bit, which we didn't see in this race, so I wouldn't lead me to believe that he's going to do anything different in the Tour. He's just too inconsistent. He can be fantastic and attacking on one day, and then you just see him losing massive chunks of time. Mm-hmm. And and like you said, it, it could be just the mental aspect, but it's just not there for him. What was the race? Was it after the post-COVID, or was it before when he was just crushing that stage race? Was that the beginning of the year? Mm, he looked really strong. It must strong. have been. But, I, um, I, yeah, he looked really good. That was the... I can't remember the race, but... Yeah, he looked really strong on that. I think it was him and I think Dylan Toons won a stage on there. Anyway, it was it was a pretty cool race, but he he looked really strong. It was only him and one other guy that looked really ready. I think I know what you're talking about. I think that was prior. Yeah. Anyway, so he just looked good there and looked promising. And then I don't know if the you know he was in Spain or something, so they were pretty locked down. But yeah, his form he hasn't looked quite ready. And um, yeah, we'll see when he starts. But I, I I got him in a top ten position, but I don't expect him to top five. Yeah, and I feel like a kind of similar rider, your favorite, Superman Lopez here. He finished fifth at the Dauphiné. And and like you we you know talked about, he he looked good at times and same thing, consistency. He he definitely looks great at times in the Vuelta where I think he podium that. He was just going off and attacking and dropping people and you're like, "All right, this guy's got it." Like he's young, like yeah. and he's, you know, he's just going to get better and better. And then same thing, there's just days where he like doesn't have it and loses massive chunks of time they i talking about time trials (laughs) yeah well he's abysmal at that but i i think it's more than just time trials he gets dropped at times that he shouldn't it seems like yeah uh so i think that's going to be a big problem for him um he has the izagiri brothers and and uh lutsenko that i saw as his domestiques there, there wasn't anything else announced. I know they have a decent team, so I'm sure he'll have some decent support. Yeah. But same as Landa, like it's top 10-ish. I don't think I, there's too much competition otherwise to not be kind of firing on all cylinders. Yeah. I, dude, I, I'm going to I'm gonna say it outside of the top 10. I think he's going to be like 11th <laughs> or 12th. All right. <laughs> I just I, I just have fun picking all these things. I got to write these down so I can put them on my list to see yeah. how well I do. But I, I think it's more fun just to say twelfth place. Well, we can go and I feel like pre tour we can just have like a, a very simple where we think the placings are. We can just yeah. write them up. Yep. Uh, yeah. Next one, uh, our new favorite guy Nairo Quintana. So he won the overall the Tour of the Alps, Tour of the Provence, in the stage of Paris, and then the. Pandemic happened. I mean, he came out of the 2020 gates just flying, you know, looked energized. He was happy, uh, smiling and like winning races. And then the pandemic came and, and he kind of went back to Columbia and was training or whatever. And we just weren't sure, you know, everyone was like, man, this was going to be like, he was just on, he, he was, was just back. getting there. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. Putting in some good, good attacks and like winning races. And it was really exciting. And so, 
Uh, unfortunately for him, he had a crash a couple weeks ago where he got hit by a car. And so not a super serious crash, but enough where he had to take some rest. And so it set him back a little bit. So his form was always going to be less than his competition coming into the tour. And we've seen that. But I will say he's looked better than I was expecting. He's building. A, and he was on that Montbound 2 challenge doing well. And he looked, he was there with, with the contenders. But in this race too, he, he pulls out, I think, I don't know if it was the last stage or the second to last stage, but he pulled out with, he said knee pain on there. So that's going to be the big question mark is what's the condition of his knee? Yeah. And also he's on a smaller team. I think Bargui, uh, Winter Anacona, and uh, Diego Rosa are his main guys, at least that I saw. Yeah. I think he just, same, doesn't have the support and his no. condition. I do think, though, unlike a couple of the other guys, he can do more. If he's in that right form he was at the beginning of the season, he can do more than, uh, I would say, Landa or Lopez without support. Yeah. I think the thing with all these teams that don't have good, strong support is if they get the yellow jersey too early, they're, they're going to try to defend it, it and they're, they're not going to be able to do it. And so I just it's tough, man. It's really hard to pick any of these guys. Yeah, I mean, but Nairo, I, I think he can top 10 this uh, for sure. So uh, I'll put him there. I'll put him at like eighth place. Yeah, and so the last guy that I have on here as the main contenders wasn't in any specific order, but is uh, Danny Martinez. And uh, current form, he won the Dauphiné. So, I mean, he, he can't be in bad shape. No. Uh, he it was a little weird, you know, just how it played out. And obviously he's consistent, so he didn't lose any time, so he had that opportunity. Yeah. But he, aside from that last day, didn't really, like, super attack that I saw the whole time. Mm -mm. But he was there. I think that was important for him. He was just there. He wasn't trying to push himself, you know. I don't think... It's always tough, but yeah, he was just kind of hanging out in the pack, and he was always there at the end of the race, which is important. Yeah, and which is, you know, kind of his question mark is his youth. So it, it's probably good to play it that way. And I had looked back, I feel a couple of the other Grand Tours he was in, he was, I think he finished 30-ish or, or so. He, he's won some things too, and I think he has, I think honestly it's a really good team supporting him. He has... Uh, is that weird? What's that? To say EF Education has a good team? I think they have a really good team they here do. for support. Like it's they, strange. They have Aran, they have Hagida, uh, Woods, Craddock, you got TJ, yeah. and uh, uh, Paulus. And, I mean, they have a few more guys, too, like on the on the long list, so they got some flat support as well. Yeah. But well, I was like, those are some good, you know, mountain domestiques here. No, they've definitely built a strong team, and, uh, you know, shout out to the subreddit. TJ and Yellow, <laughs> love that thing. But uh, but yeah, I mean they they've come a long way over the past couple seasons. You know they were kind of uh, the Kofidis of the World Tour. You know where like they just they were in the World Tour unlike Kofidis was, and like they just never got any wins, and like they were losing to Pro Conti teams, and like they just kind of had a crap team and no identity. I think yeah, as, that as was the team. main thing, and they were kind of just sporadic, and they've really turned it around over the last couple seasons, and they have a pretty good team. So. Yeah, I, I don't know if Danny Martinez is likely to you know, win the race or anything, but I think for him, he's under 23. Like, he just needs experience. He can time trial better than some of these other guys. And so I think he'll do better if he can maintain three weeks. Like, that's the big unknown. He's young. I don't know if he's ever done the tour before. And so I don't expect him to... I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make top 10. But if he does can continue to keep his form with his time trial and capacity... 
um, on an uphill. Like, I just don't think he can be magnetic. Yeah, no, I, I I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him top five. Wow. I'm gonna All go right. out on a on a stretch here and give it's him top five. Dark horse pick of the tour, huh? Yeah, I think he, That's fair. I think he looks good. I mean, he's he's won uh, some stage races the week long. Uh, maybe just one. I think he, I think it was Tour of California. But, anyways, uh, yeah, I think with the team support and his condition, I, I think that should be good. And and with some of the other things being a little bit unknowns. Yeah, well, that, that wraps up that. We have some others on here we didn't really want to talk about, but they are honorable mentions because they are technically the leaders on their teams. But I don't think we're really expecting much from them, and there's not a lot of excitement around them at the very least. Is uh, Adam Yates, Esteban Chavez, Mark. Solaire, Enrique Moss, Richie Port, Julian Alaphilippe. I think just because if we talked about this, he's going to be marked this year. They're not going to let him get that much of a lead. Um, yeah. Dan Martin broke his back, so he's obviously going to podium this thing. Uh, Roman Bardet, Pierre Latour, and Victor Campaner. And throwing out Guillermo Martin. As, okay. Copidus. As, as well. I, yeah. I think the most, the potentially most interesting are obviously Alaphilippe. Uh, I would have rated uh, Yates and Chavez higher. I think they're just form. I haven't seen them race. I don't. Well, Yates did looked terrible. In well, this race. yeah, true. Awful. So I, it looked worse than Froome, I think. And I think Chavez didn't do that well in Poland. Um, they should have a good team, but it's just the guys don't look like they're there. And same with like Bardet and Latour, should be good, but just haven't really seen that much right now. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm pulling, at least from this list, I want to see Alaphilippe and uh, Guillermo Martin do well off here. Yeah, me too. Well, it'll be interesting to see how Campanarts does. Um, he hasn't looked good, but he's done all that extreme <laughs> yeah. uh, altitude stuff. He's going to be flying. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, that wraps up this week. Next week, we're going to kind of go more in-depth into the stages of the tour, the first week. You know, I want to cover how that first week looks, kind of give our predictions of the stages and kind of just talk about what, we, what we're what we expecting to see and what we kind of hope to see. Yeah, should be cool. Yeah. All right, cool, man. Well, let's get out of here. See ya. See ya.